This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This is the Relic Radio Show, 60 minutes of radio drama, which you can find every Tuesday at RelicRadio.com. First story this week comes from I Love Adventure. We'll hear the finishing school kidnapping from May 30th, 1948. That's followed by Have Gun, Will Travel and Blind Courage, their story from May 31st, 1959. International Incident Number 6. Jack Packard and Red to York. You're requested to return to London immediately for special assignment in connection with the kidnapping of a girl's finishing school. Signed, the 21-year-old men of 10 Gramercy Park. I Love Adventure! The American Broadcasting Company presents a new Carlton E. Morse production. Featuring the international escapades of Jack, Doc, and Reggie. Tonight's incident is entitled... The Finishing School Kidnapping. Buy a flour, mister. Buy a bouquet of flour. Put them in a vase of water. They'll pop up only two bobs. Hey, come on, Reggie. Here's a taxi. Uh, right with the deck. Here I go. You look like you could use two bob. Thank you kindly, sir. Hey, Reggie. Coming right up, Dick. Climb in. Right up. Where to? In Gramercy Park. In Gramercy Park it is, mister. Here, have a bouquet of old one-off daisies. I think the flower girl rescued them from an ash heap. Throw them out the window. They're dripping on you. Sure, sir. And they smell like decayed vegetation. At least caught them on the floor of the cab. Oh, see here, Jack. What now? Twist of paper tied down in the middle. Yeah. String. Yeah, let's see that. Message in the flowers, no less. Hey, listen to this, Reggie. Warning. We're well aware of the reason for your return to London. We also are aware of the mission on which you are to be dispatched. For your own good, do not try to pick up the trail of the missing girl. Signed, the intermediary. Oh, it's intrigue. What's it all about? Well, you know as much as I do. Our cablegram and the 21 old men says they want us back here in connection with the kidnapping of a girl's finishing school. I say, Jack, I haven't mentioned it yet. But doesn't it seem a little bit ridiculous that anyone would take the trouble to kidnap a whole school full of girls? Well, that's one way to start a harem. That'll <laughs> be right. Never thought of that. Except what part of the world still practices the art of multiple wives? Well, I suppose... Oh, here we are. Dean Gramercy Park. Here you are, Jeff. George. Yes, mister. Come on, Reggie. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Oh, is it that? The 21 asked that you repair to the reception room upon arrival. All right, come along, Reggie. You know, I always look forward to entering this great room. It's the most beautiful large room I was ever in. 
There's a rattling big door from the outside. Notice now when I close it from the inside. Not a sound. See? Yeah. Everything's serene in here. I say, Jack, the hangings have been pulled back from the great mirror. The old boys must already be seated behind, looking out on us. That is true, Mr. York. This morning we are greatly troubled in our mind because of an incident of international kidnapping, the audacity and ruthlessness of which has never before been known. Then you actually mean an entire girl's school? All of the girls between the ages of 14 and 17. There were 12 of them. Our representative from Italy, in whose country the incident took place, will brief you. In the small Italian resort of Barica and the Adriatic is the internationally famous girls finishing school, which for 40 years has been governed by Countess Japon. The tragedy is multiplied because these young ladies who make up the student body are the daughters of the great families of all countries. Oh, complications. Three are the daughters of American industrial and political leaders. One is the granddaughter of a former British prime minister. There is a middle European princess and four daughters from great French families. There is a South American heiress, a Belgian millionaire's daughter, and two of our own signorinas from fine old families. It is a tragedy beyond the telling. Yeah, but what happened? What actually occurred? Please, I, I cannot go on. One of the little ones is my own granddaughter. I will finish for our friend from Italy. Barizza is a famous watering place of long standing. Near this resort on the Adriatic Sea is an abandoned airfield left after the war by the United States Air Force. Three days ago, a great four-engine plane of a design similar to the American DC-6 landed on the airstrip outside Barizza. Five men entered the school, locked up the teachers at gunpoint, selected the 12 girls between the ages of 14 and 17, marched them back to the field, loaded them aboard the plane. And that is all that is known of the incident. But I said, what were the police doing? It's a small place. We have only two possible clues. A plane similar to the one carrying the girls was sighted and reported over Kabul, Afghanistan, heading northeast. Then we know the girls were taken into the Orient or Russia. Huh? It is not Russia. Well, here's something that may help. On our way out of Piccadilly Station, a girl representing herself as a flower girl forced a bunch of wilted daisies on Reggie. On the flowers was tied this message. Uh, warning, we're aware of the reason for your return to London. We also are aware of the mission on which you are to be dispatched. For your own good, do not try to pick up the trail of the missing girls. Signed, the intermediary. But you must, you must. My granddaughter is with us. You are to ignore that message. A plane will take you out of London tonight for Delhi, India. Go to the Great Western Hotel. In the meantime, we may be able to lay our hands on the intermediary who signed that warning. What do we do at the Great Western Hotel in Delhi? That is our second clue. Sit at the sidewalk table until a one-eyed Greek bandit named Chadra comes to you. He hears more backstairs gossip than any other hundred men in India. But he's a bandit at heart. 
You'll have to pay for your information. Sit at a sidewalk table at the Great Western Hotel in Delhi, India, and wait for a one-eyed Greek bandit. That's what the spokesman said. We're a long way from Delhi, India at the moment. We're still over the English Channel. Well, naturally, old boy. We've only been in the air about seven minutes. Hey, does it seem to you that we're awful short on crew for a four-motor job like this? Short on crew? Yeah. Only ones I've seen since we came aboard at Croydon Field are the pilot and co-pilot. And a couple of cut customers, if you ask me. You felt that too, huh? What's that? I've had a creepy feeling ever since we took off. A plane like this should have a seven-man crew. Well, they seem capable. I'll give them that. A couple of unwholesome characters, but they handle a big ship with plenty of know-how. Uh, I don't like it. Well, we can be sure the 21 old boys wouldn't load us on the wrong ship. Yeah, sounds reasonable. The old man had a cabbie waiting for us out in front of 10 Gramercy Park. He delivered us directly from the conference to this plane. Well, we're on the right plane. What about the warning of the flower girl? Sure. They could have substituted cab drivers and delivered us to the wrong plane? I don't know. Oh, don't say it, then. You're making me feel worse for the minute. Hey, what's that program you got in your hand? Program? A piece of slick paper. Looks like a program for a concert. Here, let me see that. It's in Italian. You read Italian? Uh, No. Second Summer Symphony Concert. Baritza Opera House. I say, Jack. Baritza. That's where the girls were kidnapped. Ricky, where'd you get this program? Stuck down behind my seat here. Found it when I dropped my cigarette. Look. May 25th, 1948. The day before the kidnapping. I don't get it, Jack. I do. One of the girls had been at the concert. She had this program in her purse when they brought her and the other 11 aboard this ship. This ship? Of course. This is the same plane that kidnapped the girls. And now it's us. One of the girls must have stuck it down behind the seat, hoping it would be found. What unutterable gall. Kidnapped 12 girls and then come calmly back to Croton Airfield and pick us up. We were warned, weren't we? We walked blind. Right, here, here comes the co-pilot. Better get set. He looks like business. Well, he's asking for it. See what he has to say. Which one of you is Packard? I am. Captain wants your board. Oh, is something wrong? Never mind that. Come on. Or do you want to argue? Oh, I so tough about it. Oh, so you want to debate, huh? Hold it, old boy. Don't take that gun out of your jacket. What's the idea of pulling a gun on me? You have a gun? I have a gun. And I have a gun. You're at a little disadvantage, looks like. Well, you blasted second-rate fly cop. Stop I... the talk. Take that gun out of your jacket. Butt in first. And hurry up. If one of us doesn't get to, the other will. That's it. Now drop it on the floor. I'll get you, too. Ah, good boy, Reggie. He'll sleep the good sleep for some time. Well, just made sure. Tie his hands behind him with his own necktie. I say, Jack, pull his breeches down over his feet so he can't get up and walk about. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Hands tight. Yeah. That'll take care of his feet. Yep. What next, old boy? Likewise with the pilot. Oh, excellent. After that, we'll pilot the blooming ship to Delhi, India, after our own fashion. How about it, Reggie? Any radio messages back from London? Just came in. Signed, 21 old men. Good. I better stick to the controls. Let's hear it. Well, we guessed right. Listen. The cab driver assigned to deliver you to the airport was found dead in a ditch. A substitute driver delivered you to the enemy plane. Hold those two renegade airmen in the ship and deliver them to the high command when you reach Delhi. Good. Don't waste time reaching Delhi. Chandra has information. Signed, 21 old men. 
They seem all fired anxious for us to meet up with Chadra, the one-eyed Greek. I, too. Sidewalk Cafe, the Great Western Hotel, Belly. Next stop. long time since I've been in India. Yeah, Delhi never changes with the years. More like a, an oriental circus, a street carnival in the city, huh? Listen to that music down the street. Most of the inhabitants rather come between us in the music. It's colorful, though, huh? Well, it was just the sidewalk cafe before the Great Western Hotel. What's supposed to happen now? Meet me at the west gate to the city at sunset. We go to Nepal, to the Tibetan border by motor car. Tibet? Is that where the girls have been taken? Don't look at me. Examine the carpet. Is that where the girls are? Yes. They're in the harem of the Delhi Lama, just over the Indian border. Look here. Did you say harem? That is all. Tell me to go away. Drive me off. No, no, you haven't got anything here fit to look at. Put the kavacha! Put the kavacha! Look, look, old boy. Go away, will you? Infidels! Thief! I cheat on you! Uh, you'd better not, you bluffed old girl. Go on, go on, get out of here. I will gather my friends. I will return and call the lion. <laughs> really believes in putting on an act, doesn't he? Anyway, the west gate of the city at sunset. <laughs> This way, Reggie. Ever seen anything like it? Yeah. Everybody trying to get in or out of the gates of the city before sunset. Chaps with a herd of goats are having a bad time on it. Hello, Jack. Look at that automobile. Yeah. A Rolls Royce. A block long. Hello, there's, there's Chadra in the back seat. How about that? Chadra is not only a desert bandit and a Greek, but he's possessor of a Rolls Royce. Huh. Come on. Money, size, money, size. Uh, no, money, no, no money, old boy. No money. Oh, don't, don't get separated from me, Reggie. Here, run in the hills. Finally made it, huh? Get in the car quickly. Yeah. Do not call attention to yourself. All right, in with you, Reggie. Uh, pleasure. Uh. <laughs> That's luxury for a Greek rug peddler. Not my car. Oh, borrowed? No. Stolen? What? Stolen? But they will not catch us before we reach Nepal. But after we reach Nepal? In Nepal, the car is mine. <laughs> it should bring a good price, eh? Ah, one-eyed Greek bandit. Knew what they were talking about. How do we get from Nepal to this Delhi Lama's headquarters? Lamastery. Lamastery? You mean they've got a harem in a Tibetan monastery? A Tibetan Lamastery is not the same as a Western monastery. Apparently not. We still haven't answered how we get there. The last part of the journey will be by Tibetan ponies. I will guide you to the last plateau. You will have to make the final ascent yourself. Ascent? Certainly. The 
Delhi Lama's Lama Savi is high in the Himalayas. It is a veritable eagle's nest. is our business. Oh, I should think so. Come. The father will welcome you now. The Delhi Lama? Yes. Please come. Uh, you've really set yourself on top of the world up here. Yes, it is out of the world of men. You're not only out of this world, but you practically look down through the long blue vault of eternity from up here. You are an imaginative man. Here. You will enter this door. I go no farther. Just walk in. Is that it? Please. Keep with me, Reggie. Enter, gentlemen. Enter and welcome. What I say? You're the... You're the high priest, the Dalai Lama? Yes. You are surprised? But you're a scholar. This room's a scholar's room. I, I never thought that in the vastness of this isolation... Why not? For meditation, for deep and concentrated thought, where would one go but to some hidden far-off place? You were educated in England? That was before the first world conflict. 
I have not been out of this lamasery, and I have not communicated with the outside world in 35 years. You're a native Tibetan? I was born in a village near here, and was brought here and raised and taught by the Delhi Lama before me. But how could a man of your culture, your gentle nature, your friendliness have perpetrated such a crime as you've just committed? Crime? I... Well, now, let's not beat around the bush. You kidnapped, or had kidnapped, 12 girls from Barita, Italy. Those girls are right here in this lamasary. Oh, indeed. Look, the 12 girls are members of influential families from half a dozen great nations. Now, unless this business is corrected without any delay, unless the girls are unharmed and returned safely, you're going to be the number one international criminal. Yeah. What's that? Yes, Master. Bring into this room the 12 girls from the harem. Yes, Master. Then you admit... Please. While the young ladies are being brought here, let me tell you a story. One evening in the early days of World War II... A great plane flying over these mountains crashed into one of our peaks. The priests climbed to the wreckage and discovered it was a refugee plane carrying English passengers from the part of the Japanese. Of the 37 passengers and crew, none lived except a girl child of perhaps three years, found unconscious, still clasped in the arms of her dead mother. Sure. And the little one was brought to me, and for five years she had been given all the care, the learning, the understanding available among the wise men of this lamasery. One small English girl raised in a place inhabited only by men? A woman from our village was her nursemaid. Oh, but that was not enough. Oh, I should think not. No. And now that she is eight or perhaps nine, she needs other children. Girls of her own western world. Fourteen to seventeen is pretty old for a girl of nine. Not for this one. We have taught her well. And are you going to tell me that because you wanted companionship for this girl, you felt justified in raiding a girl's finishing school? Wait. You are anticipating my story. No. There is no justification. What I did was contact my agent in New Delhi, and I gave orders that I wanted twelve presentable young women. It was my thought that in ravished Europe there are so many misplaced persons, so many young girls made orphans by the war. It would be a wonderful opportunity for 12 of them if they were brought here out of the world's misery, given security, educated, trained, allowed to grow to womanhood under wise, gentle tutorship. It would be a haven for them and companionship for our girls. Yeah, but these children you brought here... I know. The commission was placed in the hands of the wrong men. It never entered my mind that unprincipled agents would commit such an atrocity. Then why didn't you send the girls back? Why didn't you let the world know? Ah, how do you suppose Shadow the Greek got his information? And how do you suppose the 21 old men of Ken Gramercy Park Received their thread of information? You mean you deliberately laid the way open for us to come to you? Of course. I could have kept the whereabouts of these girls locked away from the world forever. Well, but they tried to stop us. The same ship that kidnapped the girls tried to get rid of us. Yes. Those unprincipled agents are now desperate. They know I do not sanction their actions. They knew if you reached me and I gave you their names, 
They would pay for their crimes. But why would they do such a thing? Kidnap the cream of the crop when Europe is teeming with orphans. They could have brought you 12 poor little waifs off the street and no one would ever have been the wiser. They had criminal minds, those men. And there is never any logic in crime. Wickedness is irrational, unexplainable. And you're saying the kidnapping was done without your knowledge or consent? I say more than that. It was my doing which led you here to recover the girls. They are free to go back with you. Ah, yes, uh, here they are. Hello. What charming costume. Come in, young women. These are the native dress of a Tibetan women of distinction. Well, what's the matter? Are they afraid of us or afraid of you? Afraid? <laughs> I don't think they are afraid of anyone. There's a... Uh, is that not true? Yes, yes ma'am. Oh, I say that little blonde girl. What's your name? Uh, tell him. My name is Blanca Valska. Young women, this is Mr. Jack Packard, and this is Mr. Reginald York. How do you do? do? <laughs> they have come to return you to your school in Italy. Oh, please. May I have permission to speak? Uh, this is Miss Marcia Gresham. Her grandfather was once Prime Minister of England. Please. It's so wonderful here. Go back and tell our people that we don't want to leave. That's yes, it. That stuffy, silly finishing school was making us dull social butterflies. Superficial. Here we're learning wonderful things. We're being taught to understand beauty and, and goodness and intelligence. After we've known this, it would be beastly to return us to Baritza. Look here, what have you done to these girls? They have done nothing. They only good. Only truth. Oh, you've mesmerized them. Hypnotism. Hypnotized by the beauty of depth of their own souls, which was hidden from them in the outer world by trivial, stupid, superficial training. Are you trying to prove we shouldn't return these girls to their friends and family? No, they must go back. Oh, no, you won't. You must go back. You must reveal what you have learned here to your family. If then you wish to return, you are able to persuade your people that is well. What about the little girl you saved from the plane wreck? She belongs here. She stays. I'll have to report all this information. Rest here tonight. And in the morning, the girls will be prepared. And within 48 hours, you will be returned to your own civilization. That I promise you. <laughs> Hello, Reggie. Hello, hello. I'm listening, old man. Have you been able to contact London? I have, that. So please, no end. Ask me to stand by for further chit-chat. Okay, stand by. Right hello, you're not supposed to be up front with the pilots. Why not? The other girls think Mr. York is dreamy, but I prefer you. <laughs> Let's see, you're Marsha Gresham, aren't you? I knew you'd remembered me. How old are you? Seventeen. But age means nothing to a girl. <laughs> you don't say. Hello, Jack. Yeah, Reggie. Word from the 21 old man. Would you take the girls back to Baritza, Italy? Baritza? Not London, huh? No, back to Baritza. Jack. Oh, dear. Are you going to take us back to that silly debutante school? I'm afraid so. You'll stay over two or three days, won't you? Why? Oh, haven't I given you enough reason without coming right out and saying that I'm mad about you? You were the one who was so mad about the lamasary and the beautiful things the monks were teaching you. Well? Huh. 
sure you're not just mad about men in general? A girl can be mistaken many times, but she's bound to be right once. There is that possibility, of course. And I'm right about you. The minute you came into my life, I knew it. That's highly complimentary, I assure you. Say, Jack, here's something more from 21-Old Men. Hey, Reggie, you're supposed to stay at your communication station. Well, take a look at this. Drop the girls at Baritza and return to London immediately for assignment with the ambassador at Istanbul, Turkey. How do you like that for an assignment? But you can't stay at Baritza one night. Oh, how about that? The ambassador at Istanbul, Turkey. What's he doing there, and why? You think I'm just a child. Well, you wait and see. I'll go back to Tibet and learn all the mysteries hidden there, and I'll turn this old world upside down. (laughs) In the meantime, back to your finishing school for you, my dear, and then London and the 21 old men for us. Give it a gun, Jack. I just heard I Love Adventure, a new Carlton E. Morse production featuring Michael Ruffetto as Jack Packard and Tom Collins as Reggie York. Next week, International Incident Number 7, entitled The Ambassador Ricardo Santos Affair, taking us from Istanbul, Turkey, to the jungles of French West Africa. Harry Lang was the llama in tonight's show. Alma Lawton was Marcia Gresham. Don Morrison was Chadra, the Greek. Everett Glass was the spokesman. Other players included Lal Chanmera, Russell Thorson, Gloria Grant, and Blanca Sonia. The Finishing School Kidnapping was written and produced by Carlton E. Morris. Organ music and effects by Rex Curry. Your announcer, Dresser Dahlstedt. American Broadcasting Company. You can fight the duel or chance having your throat cut some dark night. Either way, you'll die before the week is out. Gun will travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875. The Carlton Hotel. Headquarters of a man called Paladin. We saw Paladin. Mr. Paladin. Uh, over here, hey boy. Oh. I have a message for you, Mr. Pa- hey, hey, Mr. Paladin, why are you sitting in that chair facing door to the dining room? Uh, go away, hey boy. Well, what's the matter with your old chair, Mr. Paladin? You get a much better view of hotel lobby. Hey boy, be gone. Yes, sir. Whatever you say, Mr. Paladin. 
Oh, right. The message. Oh, you say be gone. Hey, boy. Be go. The message, hey, boy. Hey, boy, just cannot think why you sit in hard chair facing closed door of dining room when old chair give fine view of hotel lobby. Hey, boy, there are some things that are my own business. Now give me the message. Yes, sir. Boy, it's going to drive hey, boy crazy. John Sutherland. <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Uh, you send answer to interesting message? Yes. Same old stuff? Yes. Yes, sir. Have gone with travel. Just go and send it, hey, boy. See, sir. Well? Mr. Paladin, this chair not good for you. You all mixed up. Forget to tell hey, boy, where to send a message. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. To Mr. John Sutherland, Knob Hill. Yes, sir. Oh, there, there. There she is. There you are, hey, boy. Oh. Hey, boy, take it back. Well, a reckless statement, Mr. Paladin. This is the best chair in hotel. This is Frank Knight speaking for Longines, the world's most honored watch. It's wonderful to win a Nobel Prize in science, a Pulitzer Award in literature, an Olympic gold medal in sports. In the field of time, did you know that Longines watches have won more great public honors for excellence, elegance, and accuracy than any other watch in the world? This is true. For close to a century, the highest authorities have ranked Longines watches as the finest achievement in the science and art of watchmaking. Yet, for a surprisingly modest cost, you may own or proudly give a Longines, the world's most honored watch, the world's most honored gift, styled with distinction, cased in precious metal, promising a lifetime of faultless timekeeping. See your authorized Longines Whitnor jeweler. He will be honored to serve you. John Sutherland, ship owner. His estate high on Knob Hill commanded a view of the bay, where never less than two of his sailing vessels lay at anchor. The Sutherland family had brought a great deal of wealth to San Francisco, and to themselves. Yes? Uh, Paladin to see Mr. Sutherland. Oh, yes. Father's expecting you, Mr. Paladin. He's in the new building. A new building? Oh, I'm sorry. You've never been here before. No, no. <laughs> well, you're a very privileged person, Mr. Paladin. I am? Yes. No one has been allowed in the new building since it was built. We're not even allowed to go near it. But you're to go there immediately. <laughs> fine, fine. Uh, is, is on the grounds? You just follow the path behind you, Mr. Paladin. You can't possibly miss it. Thank you. Mr. Paladin? Yes? I think you should know something. I'm very curious about you. I shall try not to disappoint you, Miss... Uh... I'm Elizabeth Sutherland. Miss Sutherland. There had been many stories about John Sutherland. That he'd sailed around the world some 50 times. That he'd married a Chinese princess in his travels. That he'd ridden an elephant hunting tigers in India. That he'd killed ten men in a fight in the West Indies. 
But in truth, I actually knew nothing about the man except that he was very powerful, very wealthy, and now that he had a very lovely daughter. Then as I approached the new building, I... Mr. Sutherland. Mr. Sutherland. Who's there? Paladin. Speak up. Who's there? Paladin. Mr. Paladin, I'm glad you came. Come in. Well, I heard gunfire. Yes. Come in. You? You are Mr. Sutherland? Yes. Well, may I... Is there anything I can do? Yes. Treat me as you would any man, Mr. Paladin. Of course. I've constructed this room for a specific purpose. I need your help. Burlap. Layer after layer of burlap on the walls. It was my intention that the shots not be heard from the outside. I see. And here, the target has never been hit. That is why I've sent for you, Mr. Paladin, to teach me to shoot. Teach you? It's worth $5,000 to me. Why? Mr. Paladin, let us understand each other. I'm willing to pay you $5,000 to teach me to shoot, not to ask me why. $5,000. Mr. Sutherland, I have to accept just to find out why it's worth that much to you. Oh, good then. You'll stay at my home as my guest. You'll attend all the social functions of my household as a friend. It shall not be unpleasant for you, sir. Well, thank you. And we shall practice here daily till I can hit a target merely by hearing its position. I'll do the best I can. I'm sure you will. You, uh, you had heard many things about me, hadn't you, Mr. Paladin? Oh, yes, I had, but not yeah, But uh... not that I've been blind for almost a year. Totally, completely blind. <laughs> You need lots of dollars for an accident. You need the kind of protection that only mutual level loss sells. What do you need? You need health insurance that offers you maximum benefits at minimum cost. Mutual of Omaha Income Protection Insurance with the unusual lifetime benefit feature. Add this long-term protection to your group coverage and save up to 54%, depending on your age and type of group coverage. Here's what you need. You need to get the most for your health insurance dollar by insuring with Mutual Benefit Health and Accident Association. For maximum benefits at minimum cost, call your local Mutual of Omaha agent in the yellow pages or write Mutual of Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska. Write for details on the low-cost practical protection you need. You can save up to 54% when you add Mutual of Omaha protection to your group coverage. Write Mutual of Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska. A blind man had hired me to teach him to shoot. 
It was slow, but we worked steadily. Mr. Sutherland's determination was such that by the tenth day, he was hitting the target three or four times out of 15 tries. My first preoccupation was why. Why would a man in his condition go to this trouble? But he would tell me nothing. I learned quite by accident one evening a few weeks later. Father. Father, there you are. Hello, Elizabeth. Tell me, does she look beautiful tonight, Mr. Paladin? As always. Good evening, Miss Sutherland. You're very formal, Mr. Paladin. Oh, I don't mean to be. It's just that... It's just uh... that you're not a friend of Father. Elizabeth. Father, there's something you should know about Mr. Paladin. I've been doing a little checking. In fact, I'll tell everybody. Elizabeth, you've had too much champagne. Don't be ridiculous, Father. I'm not a child. Listen to me, everybody. Listen. I've learned something fascinating about our Mr. Paladin. It's wonderful. It's most exciting. I won't tell till everybody's quiet. Our Mr. Paladin is a gunman. Elizabeth. Mr. Paladin, won't you give us a demonstration? Of what, Miss Sutherland? Good manners? <laughs> I was thinking of a demonstration with your gun. <laughs> Do you see that tiny knob on the banister at the head of the staircase? Yes. Could you hit it from here? A good gun handler could. I asked if you could. I've heard you're very good with a gun. Oh, please entertain us, Mr. Paladin. It's not often we have a professional gunman in our midst. Elizabeth, stop this. Oh, no, Father. You know what I really think... I think this man is here because of Jamie. Elizabeth, I've listened to all I'm going to from you. Well, that's it, isn't it? I'm right, aren't I? Not another word. Oh, Father, Father. Mr. Paladin, I apologize to you. Now, if you'll excuse me. Elizabeth put on quite a show, didn't she? Oh, Miss Gibson. But we're getting used to it. She's been upset for several weeks now, ever since it happened. Ever since what happened? Ever since Jamie Douglas jilted her. All right, Mr. Sutherland, you ready? Yes. Now, as I let go of each string, the ball will tap the target. So you listen very carefully and shoot as quickly as you can. Yes, yes. Go on, do it. All right. Hey, you got it. Good. Now, again... Again. I, uh, I didn't hear it very well. And try again. Well, we'll stop now. You're tiring. No, let me try more. We've been working all day. It's my last day, Paladin. What? Last night I sent a note to Douglas. Douglas? Oh, Jamie Douglas? Yes. He's accepted. The duel is tomorrow. Duel? You? You saw Elizabeth last night, Paladin. How she is. I won't have her bearing her shame before our friends any longer. As though she has no one to defend her. You can't fight him in a duel. Elizabeth was sweet, loving, a wonderful person before she met Douglas. I tried to tell her he was no good. He was just a cheap gambler. He was only after money, but she wouldn't listen. There, no wealthy, available young widow came along. Mr. Sutherland, I sympathize with you, but you can't fight a duel. I should at least have tried. I can't talk you out of this? No. 
Even a blind man must have his self-respect, Mr. Paladin. May I act as your second? I... I'd be honored, sir. This man, Douglas, you say he's a gambler? Yes, but Paladin don't meddle in it. No. No, I merely want to meet the sort of person who would shoot at a blind man. Cut, Douglas. No. No more, Paladin. You've cleaned me. Fifteen hundred dollars. Well, gentlemen, I guess that's the game, then. That was a good game, Douglas. I enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. How about me, Douglas? You owe me a thousand. I'll pay you. You sure you do, Douglas? Bad gambling debts can be a bit unpleasant. I said I'll get it. Be here tomorrow afternoon. Just see that you're here. I will be. Oh, say, uh, Douglas. Uh, Douglas, I want to talk to you. What do you want to talk to me about? I understand that you're going to meet with Mr. Sutherland tomorrow morning. How do you know Sutherland? I'm his second. Look, Paladin. I don't want to kill the old man, but what can I do? He's forcing it. What are the terms of your duel of honor, Jamie? Back to back, walk ten paces, turn, cock the gun, and fire. They're his terms, not mine. I don't intend to shoot to kill. You may not, but he does. Douglas, you're a dead man. <gasps> Against him? I don't think so. I taught him to shoot. The second he hears your gun cock, he'll kill you. But, but how can he? He will. He'll know where you are by the sound of your gun. Then it'll be too late. Are you serious? Of course, there's a way of avoiding the chance of a lucky shot. How? I've taken $1,500 from you gambling. You owe another man a thousand. I'll pay you two thousand to shout and fall when he shoots. If he's such a good shot, why are you doing this? Because I don't want him to scar his family name by killing you. Two thousand dollars. How can I be sure he won't hit me? He won't. I'll load his gun with powder, no bullet. You fire into the ground. He'll think he's wounded you. He'll have his honor. I'll do it. Tomorrow morning, then? Tomorrow morning. McLaren Park, 6 o'clock. And Paladin, you make sure about the load in his gun. No bullet. No bullet. One hundred and thirty people killed by fire at sea. The captain dead, perhaps poisoned. And the chief engineer sat helplessly moaning and wringing his hands. Was there a murderer on board? Now, read in the latest issue of Look Magazine, the mysterious and incredible story of the ill-fated vessel, the Morrow Castle. You folks who enjoy the action and suspense of Have Gun, Will Travel will be particularly fascinated by Look Magazine's detailed report of the death of the Morrow Castle. Did the chief radio operator deliberately touch off the fire? Or was he really a hero? Were 130 people murdered and the Morrow Castle burned to hide evidence that the captain may have been poisoned? Get the chilling answers in Look. Learn in Look about the one man on the ship who was acclaimed for superhuman devotion to duty, 
and how he was later imprisoned for the bludgeon murder of two of his neighbors. Find out in Look how it was discovered that there was a pathological fire setter aboard the Morrow Castle. Don't miss Fire at Sea in the new issue of Look magazine. It's on your newsstands now. Get Look today. Gentlemen, you know the procedure. Yes, let's get on with it. Back to back. On my count, ten paces. Turn, cock your pistols, and fire. Ready? Yes, ready. On my count. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight. What is it? This pistol, it, it, it doesn't balance right. Paladin, is there a bullet in this gun? Paladin, you tricked me. There's no bullet in mine either. All right, then, we'll load them. Both of them. Do it, Paladin. Immediately. Uh, no, wait a minute. Load the guns, Paladin. Mr. Sutherland, look, can't Paladin, we... load. No. No, I can't go through with this now. Stop him, Paladin, stop him. Let him go, let him go. Are you all right? Elizabeth, what's she doing here, Paladin? I told her to come. I wanted her to see the kind of man she was wasting herself on. Oh, Father, I saw him run. I saw Jamie run. Why, he's afraid of you. Next time I'll have bullets. No, Father. There'll be no next time. I don't think Jamie will be back. Elizabeth's right, Mr. Sutherland. Douglas has run. And your daughter has seen him for the coward he is. I ask you, sir, what more satisfaction could you demand? Huh? Perhaps you're right, Paladin. Perhaps you're right. All right, hey, boy. Now, where was I? Oh, let me see. Uh, chair was right about uh, here, Mr. Paladin. Uh, yes, that, that's fine. Uh, she is in the dining room. Oh, she's in there, all right. She almost finished with her dinner? She's uh, working on dessert last time I looked. Uh, all right, then. Now, I'll just sit here with the newspaper, and I won't seem to... Uh, to uh, conspicuous. Conspicuous, hey, boy. Yes, oh, that's what I say. Now, are you going to get a good view, all right, Mr. Paladin? Good. And uh, uh, possibly, if you're not standing around grinning like an ape, <laughs> possibly I can say hello to her as she goes by. And then, after that, oh, we'll... Oh, I, I wouldn't say hello, Mr. Paladin. Oh? Why not, hey, boy? <laughs> that is why, Mr. Paladin. Yes. Of course. Yes, uh, he sat here in your chair while you gone, Mr. Paladin. I understand. Yes, sir. Um, old chair still got same fine view of lobby, Mr. Paladin. No. Not tonight, hey, boy. I feel... I feel a little tired. How many times when you're driving along the road do you flick a lighted cigarette butt out the window? Many people do. 
They figure that the butt will land on the pavement where it will either burn itself out or be run over and extinguished by the next car that passes. This is what usually happens. But a cigarette sometimes rolls off the road. A gust of wind can carry it into dry underbrush. Then there's trouble. More than one devastating brush or forest fire has been caused by just such carelessness. Don't take a chance on being a firebug. Your car has an ashtray. Please use it. In fact, whenever you're in or near the woods, be extra careful how you use any fire. Remember these simple, effective fire prevention rules. Break all matches in two, then you'll be certain they're not burning. Crush out your cigarette, cigar, and pipe ashes. Don't leave a single spark behind. Keep your campfire under control. Never leave one that's still smoldering. Stir it thoroughly, drown it completely, then repeat the process. Remember, you can prevent forest fires or set them. Have Gun, Will Travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and stars John Daner as Paladin with Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Tom Hanley. Featured in the cast were Jack Moyles as John Sutherland, Tracy Roberts as Elizabeth, Sam Edwards as Douglas, and Barbara Eiler as Miss Gibson. This is Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel. That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. You can find more from I Love Adventure, Have Gun, Will Travel, past episodes of this podcast, and all the others, along with our shoutcast stream, all at relicradio.com. Lots to listen to there. And while you're there, if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows, hit that donate button. It's how all of this is made possible. Thanks to those who have. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back again next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show.